Welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages in Australia and around the world. I'm Lourdes García Larque. Today's show is dedicated to the organized Brave People of Mexico, community organizations, local communities, teachers who are currently being the target of state repression, particularly in the state of Oaxaca, in the south of Mexico. On today's show, we will be talking about an indigenous community leader, Nestora Salgado, who was in prison for two years and eight months. She was released in March this year, after a long legal campaign and great international support. Nestora is an activist of Olinala's Community Police, a community-elected and sanctioned organization in charge of security, safety, and peacekeeping. Since her release, Nestora has embarked in a campaign for the liberation of the remaining political prisoners in Mexican prisons and in support of social movements opposing the brutal neoliberal measures that are being implemented in Mexico by blood and fire. I spoke via Skype with Miriam Padilla, a Mexican-American activist based in Seattle. She is a member of the Freedom Socialist Party in Washington, and she has been an active member of the Free Nestora campaign, an international campaign that was instrumental in the liberation of Nestora and that was initiated by the call of her family. You are listening to Accent of Women on Satellite Across Australia. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so today we are going to have a special program that is going to be reflecting on uh, the recent case of the incarceration and the recent release of Nestora Salgado, who is a Mexican indigenous feminist and activist and a community leader in Mexico. We will be talking about her and about particularly the campaign that internationally had been um, like working over the over two and a half years that she was in prison to finally see her free. So maybe you could start by recapping a little bit who is Nestora Salgado. Yeah, so Nestora Salgado is uh, an indigenous leader in the uh, state of Olinala in Mexico. And uh, she was arrested in two, August uh, 2013 for leading a um, community self-defense force, which basically in Mexico, indigenous people have the right to form organizations that, um, res that you know, encourages the respect of their land and um, uh, organizes against uh, corrupt officials. Um, And so basically, Nestora was elected as the coordinator of this self-defense force. And um, during that time, she angered corrupt local officials and was arrested um, under false charges of kidnapping. And she was sent to a maximum security federal prison um, in Tepic, Nayarit. And was there for, for almost uh, two and a half years. But why did Nestora and hundreds others, not only in Olinala Guerrero, but in other communities and states in Mexico, raised up and decided to get organized? Grisel Rodriguez, Nestora Salgado's daughter, summarized why, summarizing the reasons why Nestora Salgado decided to come back to Mexico and challenge the local authorities. And also, in general, what was the situation in Olinala that brought the community police to be informed. To listen to a full interview with Gris Rodriguez, you can follow the links to this week's show. We will include a link 
to Gris Rodriguez interview. You are listening to Accent of Women on satellite across Australia. Of course, of course. Um, yeah, she, she, her family is from um, Olinala, so she would, you know, she would t make various trips a year, maybe three, four times a year. She would make back in Olinala, started, you know, seeing her as a leader, somebody that they seek for help, and so it was because of this that she 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 started getting involved with the community. You know, she started helping. Um, I mean, where we're from, Olinala, it's a really small indigenous uh, town. It's uh, actually 5,000 inhabitants at the most. It's a really small town. Um, she she helped a lot of women with domestic violence issues. You know, um, it was a lot of people went for her, you know, sought her for help. And it, it was sort of because of this, because of this previous history, that when violence started escalating and up of so much violence, that they naturally, you know, turned to her for guidance. Of course, um, you know, it used to be a peaceful, I mean, relatively peaceful little town. Like I said, it's a really small town. But then over the past couple of years, especially, it especially escalated when the new mayor entered office, Eusebio Gonzalez, which is a new mayor, which is a uh, current mayor. Violence escalated to a point where, you know, there was kidnapping three, four times a month. There was, you know, extortion, um, killings. It, it was ridiculous. I mean, small businesses had to pay extortion fees. A lot of up to four people, four or five people a month were being killed. It, it, uh, you would see these criminals, you know, walking down the main street of the town with AK-47s, and, and nobody would stop them. They were shooting at all, you know, shooting at all times. It, it was just ridiculous. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't go out, you couldn't walk home by yourself after a certain hour because it was just so insecure. The specific event, or I want to say the, the hay that broke the camel's back, was when um, a neighbor of ours who was a taxi driver was had been kidnapped and they found his body, they, they found his body already decomposing in with, um, now in really, in a really bad uh, state of and they were burying him when the people of the town found out that another person had been kidnapped. So people were just fed up, you know, with murders, kidnappings, extortion fees, all this. And that's when they decided to do something about it. That happened. I mean, I don't want to say it just happened overnight. It was slowly building to that, you know. All the events that have been happening in that town, all the, the, the criminal activity that has been happening, that's what it, the end result was when the town decided to, you know, take arms and defend themselves. And that happened on October 28th, I'm sorry, 2012. So when we were uh, talking like over a year ago, we spoke to Gris, one of the daughters of Nestora Salgado, and she was mm -hmm. telling us about how this prison in Nayarit is really, really far from where, from her community and where she is from. How did that affected Nestora's ability to communicate with her community? Oh, she, it, it was, yeah, it's almost a thousand miles away from, from Guerrero. I know that her family um, spent one week without knowing 
her whereabouts. Um, and, you know, they called the U.S. Embassy several times during that week, and they hadn't heard about Nestora, which under international law, um, governments are supposed to communicate within 48 hours if they have someone from the, from the uh, or a citizen from the country arrested, which Nestora is a U.S. citizen. And um, this was really bad because, you know, once they got a hold of where Nestora was, the travel expenses to, to visit her were, you know, they were so big that at the end they ended up in debt. But um, also talking to her on the phone was very, very, very hard. Um, she didn't have any t uh, time with her attorney for over a year. So they kept her, they kept her in solitary confinement um, the entire time she was there. Yeah, and this was one of the many irregularities that happened um, that she has reported since she was in prison and particularly she, since she has been released. And that sadly is not a situation that happens just to Nestora. It's very common that prisoners in Mexico and in particular political prisoners in Mexico suffer from this type of disconnection, neglect and the lack of respect of human rights. Um, right. So what uh, when she tried com contacting her um, well, the authorities of the United States, being herself an American citizen, she she told in an interview recently that she right away showed the, the people who detained her that she was an American citizen and that she had the right to contact the embassy or to ask for consular um, uh, support. And that the Mexican authorities said, well, if we can just pretend that we did it, that will be okay. However, I'm not sure how much was the the actual support that one the, once the United States knew of her whereabouts, what was the support that the United States provided Nestora during her time in prison? It, yeah, it was very limited, honestly. Um, they, I know they did visit her a few times, and the, the few times that they visited her, she, they visited her. She, um, she was found to have been denied a lot of medical attention that she needed. Um, she wasn't getting the the right medi um, food. She was getting you know raw meat, not very not cooked well food. She wasn't getting clean water. Um, so so the U.S. the U.S. embassy didn't play. From my as an activist perspective and working with her husband and her daughter, they didn't help as mu as much as they could have. Um, we we didn't have the support of a lot of um, John Kerry. He didn't he never spoke out on her behalf. Um, Patty Marie, who who are represent supposed to be representatives of 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 the U.S. and Washington State in particular, they um, they didn't reach out as much as they should have. Um, even though, um, like you said, they were supposed to be notified. Um, yeah, but however, even though the government did not do much, as the Mexican government didn't do much either, mm -hmm. U.S. citizens, people in the United States showed a lot of solidarity um, to, to Nestora and also their compañeros who who have been in prison or who are still in prison from uh, Nestora's um, organizations. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, and that's precisely why we are speaking to you, Miriam, because you mm -hmm. have been a, a person who has been very actively involved in the campaign to free Nestora Salgado from Seattle. Um, what have been some of the actions that have been carried out like previously, like for the liberation of Nestora? Yeah, um, 
the the pressure and the support of people here in the United States grew within you know months. People all over, um, people in cities all over the United States were hosting rallies and um, fundraisers for the campaign. Um, uh, marches, they were protesting. Um, so it's it's been incredibly amazing to see how it how like it's built from the bottom up. If that makes if that makes sense, um, to see so many people from different backgrounds, different organizational experiences come together, building a united front for this one um, case, which ultimately is broader. You know, it, it has more implications from police brutality to um, environmental justice. Um, it's been really amazing. I mean, you've had people. We had people internationally from in Brazil. We had people support um, in Australia. Um, in Mexico, so it's 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 a campaign that definitely has grown um, international solidarity within the working class and um, labor support, which has been a, a huge, a, which made a huge impact in the campaign. And to what extent do you believe this international solidarity uh, played a role in the liberation of Nestora Salgado just recently in March this year? After two, uh, two, two years and eight months that she was in prison, you mentioned uh, in a maximum security prison, in solitary confinement, uh, without a proper trial, without being able to speak to her lawyer for a year, as you mentioned. How does this international solidarity campaign, in your opinion, play a role in this liberation? I think that people definitely saw that this campaign has always been more than just about Nestora herself, you know, about just the individual. I think that people have made the connections of why violence and repression continues in Mexico and how the United States plays a huge role in that. Um, uh, there's, you know, the whole issue with immigration right now and refugees who are coming to the United States. A lot of that happens because of the violence that Nestora was helping fight. Um, in her in her hometown, but it's also something that is very related to other parts of the of the world. You know, you have in, in the Middle East, for example, you have a lot of people coming um, to seek refugee um, refuge here in the United States um, in the hopes of having a better future. You know, and and yeah, like I mentioned, it's it's a it was it's always been about the broader implications, not just Nestora. You know, not just the the people who are in in, in prison who. I'm not saying that their, you know, their role is any less important. It's uh, as equal, um, if not more. But it's always about looking about the, analyzing the entire situation, pretty much, and like realizing that th this injustice that's happening in Mexico and that happened to Nestora could happen to any one of us. Um, and I think people are tired tired of seeing um, this this type of injustice happening. Um, against people who are against activists and people who are speaking out for for a more humane world for, for everyone. So Nestora uh, has sort of represented in, in one person a lot of these struggles that you are uh, talking about. Why mm -hmm. was she, what could she become some sort of an emblem of a big struggle, a free Nestora campaign that your organization, the 
Freedom Socialist Party, which here in Australia, they have also played an important role, like talking about Nestor Salgado when no one else was doing that, like including the Mexican community here in Australia. Right. Uh, so this issue was raised here and there were some actions and events and while well, looking at videos in the United States, well, for the proximity and also Nestora being a citizen was a lot more more bigger. But why why is Nestora a symbol? Why Nestora? Why taking her campaign on? I think well, one of the biggest leeways that we or um, links that we could make with Nestora's campaign is that, given the fact that she was a U.S. citizen, it gave her a lot more support. You know, it gave us a reason to really bring that back to the United States. Um, it gave us a, a, a way to, to not only stop where, at Nestora, you know, but also continue talking about the other political prisoners that were arrested with her, like Gonzalo and Arturo, um, who are currently still in prison. You know, the other political prisoners who were released under bail and just all political prisoners in Mexico and around the world, really. Um but, yeah, the fact that she was a U.S. citizen definitely gave us a more, um, you know, direct way of starting a campaign and more of a focus. And uh, bringing light to, to all of these issues that affect a lot of people all over Latin America. Yes, sure. And so now she's uh, finally released. She is um, in, in a very moving um, um, event, no? like she left wearing her uh, commandant mm-hmm. outfit, and where they were like members of the community from her community in Olinala, and also from other organizations from the Free Nestora uh, campaign, social organizations, community leaders, etc., like waiting for her. And it was very, very moving. And the first thing she did when leaving was other than thanking uh, people for her, their support, was saying that now she has the duty of keeping, keep campaigning um, and keep like making sure that, that, that things actually change and that other political prisoners are also able to achieve their freedom. So what's next for the Free Nestora campaign? Are there things still going on? Is the Free Nestora campaign still active? And if it is, what is the new objective? Mm-hmm. Well, we're right now. We're in the process of talking about where to next, but in the meantime, we are we have been sending um, some finance assistance to the families and the wives of the of the political prisoners who are still in prison. Um, we we recently sent out a donation to another indigenous leader from the teachers uh, union, whose name is Heriberto Magariño, I believe, um, and definitely still keeping on the 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 pressure on building solidarity for political prisoners. Um, we've changed the name of the campaign to Freedom for Political Prisoners Committee in Seattle and in defense of human rights and labor. Um, so we're, we're, right now we're still talking. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to figure out where to next. Um, we, we still, our focus is still on helping liberate the other political prisoners who were arrested with Nestora, but also at the same time building support for, for Mexico and, and the repression, um, you know, making... One of our demands is um, demanding the end on government repression against indigenous people and um, also U.S. Fi- uh, funding through to military aid, Plan Merida. Um, 
So we're still, our goals are still, are, are, are still the same. You know, the only difference is that now we got in a story release. Now we're, <laughs> we're moving on to the next um, target, if that makes, makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a, a question sort of linked to this. Um, and is that, well, you are, you are mentioning you, you are from an, an organization that is more uh, politically aware of, of things. But I wonder if an average person in the, in the United States uh, realizes the impact of their military budget to countries like Mexico, like the impact it has. Do people actually realize that? I don't think so. Some, I mean, it, it's... We've had some people who have heard nothing about the Plan Medida. We've, I mean, I myself have, have learned a lot about the, um, how much U.S. funding is being given to Mexico through this campaign. Um, but, I, I mean, I think that because of so much injustice that is going on in the world, people are beginning to kind of awaken and kind of, like, finding, figuring things out on their own because these are type of things that you won't naturally hear or... or normally here on the media or in the media unless you know it's an independent like this radio show for example unless it's more of a independent for the people type of um, press right mm. yeah well now um well the story as we said is free she had been very active it despite having serious health, health problems that she has uh, mentioned that was one of the problems she had while in prison, the lack of proper medication and treatment that she required. She has been touring around the United States and also planning tours to other countries, mainly in Europe. Um, but she says she would also like to go back to Mexico and to continue with her campaign and com continue talking to people about the campaign for the freedom of other political prisoners from, if I'm, I may be wrong, but just detained with her, I think there are still nine political prisoners from Olinala that are still in prison, but there is certainly many other uh, community leaders that for similar reasons are in jail, and it's up to hundreds of political prisoners that are languishing in, in jails in Mexico. But it seems that Nestor is facing a lot of difficulties if she tries to go to Mexico. What would these difficulties be? Well, I mean, for one, uh, I know that her life is at great risk. But, I mean, the life of... I mean, her life as an indigenous leader was always at risk, just as the other indigenous leaders, of course. But that would be one of the things. Um, the, the other thing would be um, going back to prison. Um, and I think that it's very admiring to see that she has so much courage after spending so much time in prison to go to want to go back and continue the fight. Um, it only shows how tired, you know, people are in Mexico about um, oppression that con that is continuous uh, in everyone in everyday life. Um, I think that this will definitely encourage and motivate other people. In, in Mexico, in particular, Olinala, to stand up against injustice and not be defeated by intimidation tactics uh, from the government. Um, but yeah, those are those are the ma major points. I think her life would uh, be at great risk, and she also has the chances of going back to prison. Hmm. Well, yes, uh, as you say, like really great risk, but it's very admiring how Nestora will 
still there to do these things and she sees that as as, as her role? Um well the only the only thing was I mentioned the the other political prisoner, Heriberto Magariño, who also um was very supportive of Nestora Salgado when she was in prison, who's from the POS, Partido Obre Obrador Socialista, I believe it is. Um that's the oh, organization Obrero that Socialista? began the Comité Libertad para Nestora in, in Mexico. And he's a current uh political prisoner right now. Um so you know Making the connections. I, I encourage people to make the connections between what is going on in Mexico and all over Latin America, really, and how that plays a huge role here in the United States um, and in many parts of the world. And um, encourage people to practice internationalism because building a united front was what got Nestor released. You know, building that pressure from, from the people was what definitely played a huge role on getting Nestor Salgado released. Hmm. And thank um, you for having me. No, no, thanks for, for joining the show. And yeah, just as a reminder, I'm making these collect connections, like Heriberto Magariño, a political prisoner, he's a teacher, and right now on the streets in Mexico City, in Guerrero, in Oaxaca, in Michoacán, in Chiapas, Tabasco, like teachers are taking to the streets for right. for like a very big campaign against the neoliberal education reforms that are being proposed, and And, and yeah, like just facing the very severe repression of the state as Nestora, uh, Nestora's community felt the repression of the state and also of criminal organizations, the teachers are also organizing. Uh, so we, I, we will also invite our listeners to keep an eye on that campaign and on the upcoming shows on Accent of Women addressing the struggle of teachers in Mexico. Thank you, Miriam. Thank you. <laughs> We listen to Miriam Padilla, a Mexican-American activist based in Seattle and an organizer for the Free Nestora Salgado, a committee now dedicated to the international campaign for the freedom of political prisoners in Mexico. We spoke about the story of Nestora Salgado, an indigenous community leader from Guerrero, Mexico, who was in prison for two years and eight months. We also listened to an excerpt of Nestora Salgado's daughter, Gris Rodriguez, providing a background on Guerrero's community police. You can listen to the full interview by following the links to this week's show. And that's all we have time for on today's Accent of Women. If you want to hear this show again or any of our other shows, you can download the podcasts from the 3CR website, and that is 3cr.org.au with the digit 3 and not spelled out in letters. You should go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. Accent of Women is produced in Gurundjiri land in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you would like to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. Thanks for tuning into the show today. I'm Lourdes Garcia Larque, and I look forward to your company again in our next program.
química sagrada, espíritu de Gaia, tú que todo lo ves y que todo lo abraza, los ícaros sagrados, la conciencia nos sana, la medicina pura curandera que no falla, dentro del corazón se libra una batalla, pero el silencio siempre todo lo sana, escuchando claro la voz de mi corazón, puedo encontrar mi verdadera conexión, la música bonita y 